Hey Skyfarers and welcome to AFACAST, the Caldron Overlords channel and podcast. Uh, well today we've got a cool show, we're chatting to uh, the guys that played at the CanCon Quarter Glory Tournament uh, and did really well came out. Uh, so uh, without further ado, let's introduce our guest for tonight. We have uh, Mr. Nathan Thompson. Welcome to the show, Nathan. Hey, how you going? And uh, Mr. Luke Forster. Hey, thanks for having me. I thought, did I pronounce your surname correctly, Luca? I wasn't quite sure with the. Yeah, yeah, close enough. You know, Forrest says Thursday, you know, it's, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> close enough is what I always aim for. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, I was butchering surnames last week as well, don't worry. And, uh, <laughs> you know, you love him. He's our funder from down under, Mr. Alexander Cron. Good to be back. First show of the year. Yeah. My first show yeah. of the year. Yeah. Uh, and first show off for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a, been a little while. Um, but it's good. Get back into the, the, the swing of things. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, getting our sea legs back or air legs. Air uh, legs. Air legs. Uh, cool. Uh, so before we, we, we dive into the tournament and talk about everything, uh, there is some minor news. Although I say I say news, it's more like rumors. Did the battle scroll come there's, out? Uh, no, but there's been some re- purportedly leaks, but could just be made up. Ooh. You know when oh, they all, when it all goes out and it's just like everything, and it's like all the points changes, all the all the FAQs, and oh, is this real or is this something oh. that is this what somebody wants to see? So, are you ready? Drum roll. The points changes for KO apparently. Minus 10 points for Sky Wardens and a 10-point increase for Gunstock Funders, and that is it, apparently. (laughs) 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 So I'll take that. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, you you can see why I'm not entirely sure these are are true. (laughs) Leave the bloody Funders alone. What have they done now? Oh, they were, well, yeah, they were Sorry. touching people in places. Engine riggers, nothing. <laughs> Frigates, nothing. All that untouched. Yeah, apparently. Yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, okay. I mean, if that is that seen another rumor true, then... floating around that um, they were going to introduce some uh, uh, line of sight blocking terrain each game as well. Yeah, so, yeah, I saw that see. one. And changing yeah. sound okay. on and. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, they yeah, tried to a little green text thing. They tried to introduce a lot of sight blocking terrain at Kanko, actually. Um, there were a few pieces of it. Um, I mean, it wasn't, mm-hmm. it didn't necessarily block a lot of my line of sight across my games, but it was there for sure. And like, there were a few pieces, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, when you can move um, around quite quickly, it's impactful in a couple of my games. Yeah. I mean, in the UK, it feels like there are quite a few tournaments that do it anyway, like like people do impassable as well and stuff. Like, mm. so uh, mm. makes makes more interesting games. If not, train can uh, can not always have that much impact. Um, they added garrisonable in CanCon as well. I like I like the garrisonable terrain. Um, uh, yeah, well, that's part of the core cool rules, isn't it? But sometimes people just don't say any of the terrain is garrisonable. 
but uh, yeah. So it can be problematic at times if you know if it's just touching an objective, and you know, then you get you know, it's like one millimeter of the train on the objective, and you put fairy dudes in there. <laughs> there can be uh, some problems. But, yeah, if you put the train in the correct places, Garrison, yeah. it's quite cool. Cool. Yeah. Um, CanCon had FAQ'd the um, Garrison all to not count on objectives. Yeah. So even if it was touching, just a little. Um, so they, they nixed that quite quite well, and it, it was great. Mm. Yeah. We, we, we have that Fantastic. in the UK quite a bit of tournaments as well. Um, yeah. I think it's yeah. in the uh, the Honest War Gamers tournament, like terrain rules things, so a lot of people just sort of use those. Um, it's cool. Yeah. Uh, so Garrison's yeah. also. Oh. Sorry, go ahead. I was, just, I was about to say Garrison's also sort of interesting for my games because I can use them to kind of launch Gotrek forward. If there's like <laughs> a big Garrison in the middle, you can enter it in your first turn and then disembark like six inches further, and you yeah. gain like the length of the drain piece plus like twelve in like you know four inches or so of extra free movement. Um, yeah. Not that I ever used it, but it's always like an option, you know. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, cool yeah because he's uh he's not fast <laughs> so uh yeah that's any extra movement you can get with go trick is uh is worth it um especially with people redeploying away from him yeah. that could be annoying mm. so yeah. uh cool uh so cancon called gloria it's been pretty big in the past how how many players were this year was there a lot that one eighty or was it this year yeah, about 180, yeah. Yeah, yeah they, they usually try and keep it around 200, I think, after drops this year. Yeah, about 180. Yeah. They still do it in like a big aircraft hangar. Was that yeah. Hancom that used to do in an aircraft hangar? Still there. Right. Now so, it's a different aircraft hangar. Different aircraft hangar, but it's still an aircraft hangar. I mean, that's home turf for KO then, basically. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Cool. Um, yeah, well, I mean, I figured there was probably quite a lot of people because uh, the tournament after the the was it the top eight went into uh, eliminations uh, for yeah. yeah. So you know, I mean, it's, uh, it's quite a few tournaments seem to be doing that now. The bigger ones, I think that's quite cool. Rather than you know just having like three people in a five zero and you know one person wins because they've got slightly better secondaries or strength for schedule or something. It's better to get like a proper winner. Yeah. Um, I think they have yeah. the opportunity this year to do that because we have a public holiday uh, that falls mm -hmm. on a Friday, so we actually have the three-day weekend. So they thought, oh, let's give it a try. And uh, camera's a bit out of the way for most of us. So, um, normally that, that <laughs> option wouldn't really be on the, on the cards. So, you know, you'd have to take a few extra days off work and, and what have you. So it was a good opportunity to trial it. I think it's the first time we've done that in Australia, to, to my knowledge. So it was good. Yeah. Cool. I mean, I think it's better to certainly, certainly good to get like a proper winner. And um, yeah. I mean, spoiler alert for what we're going to talk about a bit more in the show. But uh, you, you both actually finished like the first five games four one. Um, so, I mean, if if you, if they hadn't have done that, I guess you wouldn't have podiumed at all. And then, but then Nathan, you come out on top no. of the whole thing. Yeah, I was four and a draw, so I think I finished sixth okay, so. on on score. So, yeah, I wouldn't oh, have yeah. um, wouldn't have podiumed. But yeah, we had soft scores as well, uh, and the yeah. soft scores yeah, they... didn't count, uh, and and that yeah. rearranged the top eight a little bit. So I think that probably helped Luca push up a little bit. 
because uh, there was a lot of four ones. Um, and if yeah. you're a four one with some decent soft scores, that put you towards the top of the pile. Um, I think I finished mm-hmm. third overall because of soft score. So I jumped up a few notches. So it guaranteed me a top eight and um, it definitely helped. Uh, if, you, if you're pushing for 4-1 and you wanted a good one, the soft scores were a big deal. So, yeah. <laughs> I was going to ask about that, actually, because it didn't... I wasn't sure if, like, the the secondaries or whatever on stats and ladders were correct or something because it didn't look like you were in the top eight, Luca. And I was like, well, you obviously played in the in the knockout rounds, so yeah. uh, <laughs> something must have happened there. But uh, now we know. Uh, so was that just painting and stuff? Or was it... Uh, yeah sports and things yeah. painting yeah. painting and, and sports um, yeah cool we had a couple of people uh, that couldn't make the top eight either so that sort of rolled down yeah. a little bit but um yeah yeah but because painting, even though it's a public sports, holiday i guess some people still had work you know because yeah. it's the modern world and you don't always get bank holidays <laughs> in uh exactly. in some jobs it was also to do with cool. battle tactics, wasn't it? Like, if you denied your opponent battle yeah. tactics, you got extra points. Um, okay. yeah, and I'm not sure. Uh, there was Grand Strat involved in that. Okay, yeah. yeah. So the only way to get max points, I think, was basically to, if you tabled your opponent as essentially turn one, um, and they only achieved one of their five battle tactics, then you would get the maximum possible score in a game. Yeah. So a lot of people didn't get max scores, but yeah, they all counted towards it. Cool. Mm. So that's uh, interesting stuff going on there then. Um, so when you say denying your opponent's battle tactics, it, it, was it just if they failed or did the yeah. players actually have to say whether you actually physically managed to do something that stopped it as opposed to them just failing it on their own? Nah, I think they could just fail it, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so you could like... Even if they didn't have any battle tactics, like like left to score, like you know, if you'd wiped them out in turn one, for example, then that would count as like four failed, four denied, yeah. I suppose. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I guess say if it was if it's purely just denying it, and you actually had to actually that would be quite hard to manage. <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, no, that's quite cool. Uh, battle tactics are becoming a very important part of the game, really, these days, um, which is good for KO because. Uh, we're quite good at battle tactics. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cool. Uh, so let's jump in. We're going to look at Kron's list uh, first, um, oh. and then we're, we'll move on to, I think we're going to have Lucas afterwards, and then Nathan's sort of right. Uh, uh, so, Kron, uh, do you want to go read it out, Kron, and, and explain, it, explain it rather than me read it? Uh, sure. It's Ender Master with Ender Harness as the Warlord. With a Celestial Burst Grenade, uh, Navigator with a Voidstone Orb, uh, Thunderick with his Thunderix Profiteers, uh, a Lord Ordinator, and nine Gun Haulers. No Ironclad. That there shouldn't be an Ironclad. Oh, I don't know how I've done that. Uh, probably, That'd be probably a twenty-five hundred point army. There we go. Yeah, it's probably a, a copy and paste error there. Um, um, no, just Gun Haulers. Um. Which okay, so, yeah. So it, I mean, I went three two. Uh, mm-hmm. It did well against everything. Uh, it, it it shoots its way out of a lot, everything. It can it can take objectives, but it can't hold objectives because it is just in the end nine models. And the two games I lost were against Soul Blight, um, mm-hmm. where I shoot them all off, 
and then they put 10 skeletons on an objective back back on objective and i go well okay what do you do yeah Shut them off <laughs> come back and eventually yeah it just you just get outpointed in those games but it was it was fun it was a fun list it does uh, the thing that surprises most people is the mortal wounds everyone goes that's ah, a shooting list okay but you, if you if you screen them out a little bit if you have those three boats in the front they hit them then your other uh six boats can all do a bombing run on on top of the units that just uh got caught and does like 10 15 mortal wounds on average which will blow up the majority of most of the unit and and then you just clear it off with with your shooting which is insane thanks to the Lord Ordinator who makes them all well if you're shooting at the clutch unit, twos, twos, and one damage two. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Uh, so um, but, I feel like we're oh, sorry, I think we've got oh. go ahead, Quan, because I think we've got a bit of a delay and I didn't realise you were gonna say something. Oh, no, that's okay. But yeah, this isn't the list we're talking about because it only went three two. Mm. We're here to talk about the yeah. champions. Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, if you want to move on then, I <laughs> don't want to talk about it, but I mean, I feel like we're overdue talking about your list a bit, Quan, because I know you've been playing this list for a long time. Um, and I don't think, because we hadn't done a show for ages, and because it's so unique, I feel like we can spend a little bit more time on it. One thing that I know um, is a bit unusual, this you mentioned about how good the bombing is, is that does actually open up that battle tactic a lot. Um, uh, yes. Yeah, yeah, there's a, a bombing run tactic. If you can see like, something with, uh, usually if it's got five wounds or less, like, uh, I see something with five wounds, I go, okay, bombing run, fly three or four boats over it, and that usually yeah. gets it. Uh, oof. We played, so, the, for the people who didn't make the top eight, we did a doubles, uh, doubles tournament, um, where we just, like, two people took a thousand point list and played three games against each other. Um, I basically took half of this, uh, five gun haulers and just the navigator, tried to do the bombing gun tactic against a single black knight with two wounds. I had two boats. I only rolled two fours out of eight dice, and then he rolled a six, and then it failed. So that was against Pat Pat and Joel. That was, I had the worst luck. That whole game, um, I shot five boats at a four-wound Stormcast Dragon. I did two wounds, then that was my opening salvo. <laughs> uh-huh. Oh no! Like all five boats concentrate fire, nothing. It's like uh, hit on hit on threes, twos. Oh, uh, two on the one. Read all the one, one. Okay. Mm. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I, I find I don't pick opening salvo very often because I don't just don't feel like it's particularly reliable to kill something turn one unless you really want to just jump down your opponent's throat straight away. Yeah, I usually go for like a surround and destroy on my like opening battle tactic, actually. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, if they've like if they've sort of uh, pre-game moved or, 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 or you know, sacrificed 10 regular mooks to the middle of the board mm-hmm. then you can kind of then you can kind of bank on it a little bit um yeah. but uh 
especially if you're running Brock, who's got good 18-inch range, so you can still kind of keep your distance, uh, but have enough output to like take him out. But um, yeah, it's it's a little dicey sometimes. Yeah, I mean, it's a good point about Brock because I I don't have much long-range shooting in the list I normally play. It's pretty much all balloon boys and things, so everything's sort of 12 inches, and then you have to get pretty close, and then um, so yeah. Uh, yeah, if you've got a bit more long range, it is easier to do. Uh, Cron, one, one last thing about this before we move on. I reckon some people at home watching will probably be wondering about Fundrick and his profiteers. So, do you want to explain uh, yeah. the reasoning behind him? And um, that was, um, probably an, an invention from Max, basically. Um, saying, uh, so it used to just be 10 gun haulers. But Thundric was the. But what if we added an extra hero, so we could do the get in the boat, get out of the boat strategy, um, battle tactic, which, well, which clearly helped because it just like it, even the games I lost in this tournament, I did five battle tactics just because it was it's so easy to do something with KO mm-hmm. and Thundric gave me that third um, KO unit that it can get in and out of the boats. And he comes with a little unit just to help screen or capture an objective somewhere else. Mm-hmm. So I found him more useful than an admiral who is good, but a lot of his buffs relate to infantry, like giving the extra rend. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, you want to make a gun hauler a flagship? That doesn't. Really... I'm not sure he can even make a gun hauler flagship, can he? That's weird. No. Uh, so yeah, you can't even make a gun or a flagship. So I mean, you know, you're not getting much out of Brock then. Um, I mean, if yeah, I could take I Brock, mean, but I didn't have out. the points for Brock. They do. Yeah, you're okay. Yeah, Brock would be. It's worth pointing out. Thundrick's four models. That's why you can get him in the boat. So you got Thundrick, yeah. his unit, and another hero. So that's the six models. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's, Sometimes it's quite, you have. To... I played a similar list for a bit after I saw Kron took this list to a teams tournament. And had a bit of a bit of fun with it, and it's um, that little little gun holder running around scoring battle tactics all game is quite um, quite obscene. Yeah. It's great. It you seems like little... this is the kind of. Oh, oh sorry, I, I was just going to say like this seems like the kind of list you would write when you kind of first pass through the book and you notice that gun holes and <laughs> battle line and barrack and you're like, oh, what if I just take only this? And then you look at the stormcast and you're like, oh, and I take this ally. <laughs> yeah, it, it seems like a cracking list. I've always wanted to give it a go. It's mostly also the fact, like, uh, basically the amount of, like, start collectings or, like, K- KO box kits <laughs> where you get units and a gun hauler. I had, like, seven of the things. I was like, we need to buy, like, two more of these. I could do this. <laughs> cool. If I just built and painted all of these, I could... I've got a ton. Mm-hmm. So, shove yeah. them all in. Ordinate in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. And it's... yeah, you make a nice little uh, like like strike squad if you get the 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 navigate no the the end of master Thundrick and his profiteers as like your six models that goes and it, it can pretty like it, it can jump behind the enemy and three d six charge and hit some of their like a uh, a ghoul hero at some, a ghoul wizard at one point <laughs> like just charged him in his throne took him out some kind of suicide squad it was good that's great. The mortal wound ability on Thunder is not too bad either. That's, that's a good little ability. Yeah. Yeah, just like, uh, he treats the right moment, and there's a lot of stuff around him. Yeah. Cool. Um, 
Yes, yeah, so that, the thing with funded profiteers is uh, they're only 160 points. So it's it's really cheap to get two units because you know the you know cheapest hero is 90 points. So you know you, you can't in this list you couldn't actually get those three units any other way. So. Cron, uh, am I right to assume that quite often you're spending XCP for the automated to run? Uh, yeah, he just like just eleven inches forward every turn, basically. <laughs> or for the first couple of turns, then they they usually find like the middle point and just uh, stays in the middle of that 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 big bubble, the big castle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Right. Uh, so. Um, should we move on and have a look at Lucas' list? Uh, before we do, we're getting a bit of an echo from somewhere. Don't know where it's coming from. And I'm just going to try muting people one by one. Are we still getting it? It's probably me. Here we are. Are we getting it now? No, uh, Luca, I think it must be you. Oh, dear. Okay. Uh, hmm. uh, is the sound definitely coming through your headphones? Uh, maybe. Let me just uh, go into settings and see if I can uh, fix that. Uh, I've got echo cancellation on. Um, if I were just to turn my volume down. I'm like, yeah. Maybe what's happening is that like I've got the volume on quite loud and maybe like mm-hmm. the mic is picking up the um, speaking. Yeah. Is that fixing it at all if I just turn it down? Uh, I think so. Yeah, that's better. Um, okay, yeah, nice. yeah, cool. Uh, right, so let's uh have a look at your list then, Luca. Uh, so yeah, you went 4 yeah. 1 with this Barrett Nar, 1990 points and two drops. Uh, so you have as your general an Endra Master on foot with Storm Caller and an Old Stone icon, a Navigator with Voidstone Orb, Brock Cronson, and as you mentioned earlier, Kotrek. Um, and then three units of 10 Arconauts, nine Endermuggers, a gun hauler, and a frigate, and everything is in a battle regiment except for Gotrek. Um, so it's kind of one big threat with the frigate, and then a second big threat with Gotrek. Yeah, that's 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 essentially right, you know. Um, so uh, I started playing with nine engine riggers and I just found that their output was pretty phenomenal just, just with the riggers alone. Um, and I kind of kept thinking about how you can make them better and, you know, how you can kind of enable them. And I kind of found that like, uh, so last year I went to a tournament and I was running nine engine riggers and a frigate and then 10 thunderers and an ironclad. I was running them both, but I kept finding, I put all my command point resources into the nine engine riggers over the 10 thunderers. So I just, and they just kept putting in more work than the 10th Underers. So I just kept thinking to myself, like, what if I just sort of ignored the 10th Underers and like put them, you know, reallocated their points to something else and just sort of made the list about those engine riggers in the frigate. Uh, and so I was like reading through the book and I noticed that Brock uh, has that plus one attack aura. And so suddenly you have a unit of nine engine riggers with like 28 attacks that do D3 damage in the charge. Uh, and that's a really nasty little threat right there. So, you know, in order to have the nine engine riggers in one block, uh, you need to have the engine master on foot. Uh, I mean, you could do the balloon engine master if I wanted to, but 
you know, the one foot for 90 points, you get, you know, six wounds and a three-up save. So he's actually, I think he's good value for 90 points. Like he, he does a bit, you know, he's got quite a bit of damage on his hammer swings. Uh, he heals the boats and he's just sort of pretty tough himself. So, you know, I think he was a pretty good unit to run as well. Uh, and I just had one from the start collecting box. Um, so it's um, sort of the reason why I take Barak now, of course, is for Brock and the engine riggers, uh, but also because... Barak Nard is the only sub-faction that kind of helps Gotrek. Every other sub-faction only affects Skyfarer's units. But with Barak Nard, because you're just getting command points, you can use those on Gotrek to run them up the board, or you can use them any which way you want. Um, and really, command points are sort of the lifeblood of KO. You really need them to enable your units to, you know, teleport around, to make big charges, to, you know, get the most value out of your big units. So having more command points is really useful, especially on those turns where you're made to go first or you choose to go first and you only get two from mm -hmm. this scenario. Rolling three dice and getting even just one more or two more is a real real game changer, I find. Um, Etheric Navigator, you know, is in there because he's a staple in KO lists. He enables the whole play style, right? You, you half move the scary things and then you, you shoot and charge everything else. Uh, and also giving them the Voidstone Orb is almost mandatory, I think, because in a world where blizzards can knock out your ships in one go or knock out your important units in one go, you just need that insurance that'll like knock it out. Um, and if you kind of deploy aggressively with the navigator, you can also sort of like push out your opponent's heroes back because everyone loves to score a magical dominance in turn one. So if you're sort of aggressive with the positioning of your navigator, even if you put them out of the ship, you can kind of push their heroes back against their back line almost sometimes. Um, and that creates a lot of extra space between you and them. Um, but yeah, again, really it's just that, that that hero phase ability to half move units or bump your ships around as you need. It's incredible mm -hmm. flexibility. Um, and, you know, take Brock Grunson. Uh, he's just a fantastic unit. He's just 220 points of raw value. He's a sort of a simple war scroll. I rarely used his like run shoot charge ability on the ships. Mm -hmm. um, mostly he's just there to like give the possible attack. And his shooting profile is really quite good. You know, he's got the output of a gun hauler. He's got almost the output of a frigate, like if you do the maths, because he's taxied on threes. So that big cannon hitting on threes typically works out the same as like two cannon shots hitting on fours. So, you know, him plus a uh, frigate is about 500 points. And their output is more than an ironclad at 500 points. So sort of like, that's the comparison I like to make in list building. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, eight wounds and a three up is fairly resilient, especially when you have them in the ship, um, like I like to do most of the time. Uh, and then, you know, on top of his shooting, he's got combat. So he's got five attacks on the charge, you know, D3 damage each again. Uh, and then he's also got mortal wounds on top of that. So suddenly... You know, he's just doing all of these different things and he's opening up long range shooting, you know, opening salvo is an easier tactic to score with him. Uh, he's opening up, you know, massive charge bombs. Uh, and you can send them out on his own and to like go and, and deal with problems here, there, and other and elsewhere as well in the in the late game. Mm -hmm. So yeah, he's definitely an integral part of the list. Um mm -hmm. so then I've got uh, you know, three units of ten Argonauts. They're really there for, you know, screening objectives. Um, just running around the board doing tactics. I could have put two to 10 Arcanauts into one unit of 20 um, to squeeze everything to a single drop. But I liked having three units of 10 separately just for the flexibility. I tended to find that my Arcanauts live a fairly like binary existence. They're either 
alive on 10 wounds or they'd be completely wiped <laughs> off the face of the earth. Uh, and so by putting two units of 10 into a unit of 20, they it just makes it easier for them to get wiped off the face of the earth, you know? Um, so the, typically the way I deploy is I'd like to have the frigate sort of in the middle with 10 Arconauts in the front and then Gotrek in the middle. So sort of that, that cluster in the middle. Then I have two units of 10 Arconauts on either side of the board. So I could do a turn one, surround and destroy it. And so they can go and contest like the sort of outer objectives as well. Um, and yeah, just having three units of 10 gives me that flexibility to do so. It lets me sort of trade a little bit easier on objectives and whatnot. Um, and then the gun wall is there uh, for really for the ground strategy insurance. Uh, it's really useful for battle tactics too, especially in those deployments where you can't easily get a unit of Arcanauts into the other table side for surround and destroy. It can score that on its own. It can run off and take objectives. I mean, in one game, it won me a game against Gits when it uh, charged to get some of an objective. And I used my three to six inch charge on the gun hauler. And with its, you know, four attacks, fours and fours, I managed to kill one grot, which was enough to help me get the objective over. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just it's just a grand strat insurance. Like it it won me uh, my game against, my, my the game I won in the um, top eight rounds against Seraphon because the, the frigate had been taken out, but the gun hauler was still alive. And then I got the extra three points for the grand strat that poked me over you know, my opponent's score. So yeah, gun hall is just like, I feel like if you're going to run rule disguise, you should be running two ships at minimum, you know, like you should be running either one big ship and a gun hauler or like two frigates, whatever composition you like. But yeah, you typically want to run two, two ships just for that, that insurance, you know? Um, and then of course, you know, you've got Gotrek there. Um, he's sort of the man of the show is, He's, he lets us play the primary. He lets us bully the middle. He lets he opens up uh, a sort of playstyle for KO that you don't typically get otherwise. Um, and he has this sort of like uh, you know, pardon my French. He's got this sort of fuck off zone around him, right? You just you run him ten inches into the middle of the board, and then suddenly nobody wants to be within a certain range of him, and that means you control that bit of the board. Um, you know, I've had games where like I put him in the middle, and then people's armies sort of flood around like around him like almost like water in a river you know like they flood like around him just keep away mm -hmm. which then better enables me to like pick off one half of that army and then work my way to the next so it's uh it's a really interesting piece um in, in cancon frankly like most games you never really saw combat um in my first game he got you know just annihilated by like nine cryptoras with like 60 attacks or something in another game, he got, you know, taken out by 10, you know, uh, fighty snakes and daughters of Cain. And then another game, he never made combat. And then in my fifth game, he also never made combat. But just that board presence and that threat um, is really useful. And also, he just is a completely self-sufficient piece. You only need to use one or two command points on him just to run him into the middle of the board. And then after that, you don't need to invest any resources into him. You know, you just, he just does what he does. Uh, and you, you know, if they have like some, oh sorry. So would you use heroic actions to, on him just to, just to heal him up? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, heroic recovery is an amazing heroic action on him because every wound that yeah. you heal is like, I think like you know, what is like sixty points worth of wounds that you get. So if you roll like a three on your D three, that's one hundred and eighty points worth of wounds that you just get mm -hmm. back for something that's essentially like almost free, frankly. Um, 
So yeah, and that's where Barry Nars good because you got so many CP, you don't need to roll for that CP heroic action a lot of the time. Yeah, so you're not yeah. missing. Yeah. It's not like oh, which one do I go for? It's oh, I've got plenty of CP already. Yeah, 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 exactly. And you know, one of the advantages having one frigate with nine engine riggers, you're only using CPs in that package. So you're not like using a CP to run shoot charge one of your ships and then another CP to teleport another boat and then another CP here for that. All your CPs go into that package of engine riggers. And so you get that sort of economies of scale with them. You know, if you put an all out attack on your engine riggers, that's a lot of value. And if you know you do a rally with them, that's also a lot of value you're getting back. Um, so you know, the list has interesting, like a deceptive amount of sustain just from heroic actions, engine rigger healing. Um, and also four plus rallies, like you, you're getting a surprising number of models back every game if, if you do use your rallies and whatnot. Um, but yeah, so that's essentially sort of how the list works. You know, that's where all the decision points like, you know, I could have squeezed an admiral in there if I'd cut some other stuff, but I felt that Brock, like Barracknar compensated for the lack of admiral through command points and Brock uh, was sort of more useful than admiral, like even that extra 80 points it was more useful to use that in Brock. Um, but yeah, so, you know, I, I've been kind of pushing this list around for a couple of tournaments now. I just really like the way it plays. I think it's a lot of fun. You know, you get you have something kind of silly in the middle with Gotrek, and you can do clever things like, uh, because he benefits from Lookout, so there was one game where there was a piece of cover terrain in my side of the board. Uh, my opponent had like, you know, 10 bow snakes. So what I would do is I would just hide 10 Arconauts inside the cover terrain and then put Gotrek three inches in front of the piece of terrain. And so suddenly you can't target the Arconauts inside the terrain because they cover. And then you can't target Gotrek because he's got Lookout. So, um, and you can, yeah, you can kind of like do clever things to terrain with him. You know, you can jump in through garrisons if that's an option. You can, yeah, you can fight things. And so, yeah, it's just a very fun unit to use. And it just, you know, you can just take something and just stomp it forward and you don't really have to think too much about him, you know. Um, yeah, you know, fun list. Uh, and yeah, I'm just going to keep pushing it around. I think if, if we, as you say, with the, with the, um, with the battle scroll, if we get away with just 10 points on Thunderers, I can live with that. I don't take Thunderers. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Cool. Um, there's a couple what? of things I wanted. Oh, Con, yeah. you go, you go uh, first. Con. I, I mean, I also wanted to ask some questions, I guess. Like, so. Of course, yeah. Battle tactic wise, what do you do first? And how do you like do you do the get in, get out of the boat? Um, tactics? Um, yeah, tactics is actually one thing that this list does sometimes struggle with. Um, just because you've got, you know, the one boat in which you can get things into and out of is also a very aggressive piece. So sometimes by the time you, you know, you throw your boat at your opponent, you might have lost a character or two which prevents you getting into and out of the boats. Um, my, my opening battle tactic was almost always surround and destroy though, um, because those two units of 10 Arconauts or one unit of 10 Arconauts running off that way, and then the gun hauler or another 10 Arconauts running that way. And then, you know, keeping a character back or something on your know, home sort of home deployment edge. Surround destroy was always sort of like that opening battle tactic. Um, I think there was only one game where I didn't go for surround and destroy as my opening battle tactic. And that might have been like for an opening salvo, but yeah, nine times out of ten, I just do that positioning um, for the opening one. Um, and a yes. lot of the, a lot of games, I don't even shoot on my opening turn. I don't even like 
I just keep my distance. I maximize my distances. Um, I screen up and I don't even, I don't even shoot the enemy at all. I'll just, mm -hmm. I'll just go for positioning and taking objectives. Um, I, I guess you could teleport that um, frigate in some corner in your enemy's deploy in your enemy's territory. Mm -hmm. And then that's, that's your two units for two sides and then have your, yeah. Yeah, the gun roller can squeeze into the smallest pocket. Um, and, uh, you know, typically as well, like the way I'll sequence it now is I'll do surround and destroy as my first, and then I'll have my three characters out of the boat on the first turn, but I turn two, mobilize the fleet. And then turn three is when I kind of get stuck in. And so then I can go for like, you know, boots in the ground or, um, uh, which is also easy, easy to score with the, um, the frigate charge because you can disembark units as after it charges and you can absolutely send it with your 36 inch charge and you, know, you can teleport it anywhere and pretty reliably get that frigate into the spot that you need to get it into. Um, what I like to do is I have a base, like a frigate base. I just have a spare base of it and I'll give it to my opponent to help them screen out their backboard. Um, but sometimes what that does is it makes them kind of hold back powerful units. Like I did that against some um, gets the guy was a fantastic player. You know, really good opponent, really good dude. Um, and I was just like, look, here's, here's the base of the frigate. You know, I can get into like lots of little corners. And what what he did is he ended up holding two units of 10 Boingrots back to screen out his backboard because he knew that this is like the template and this is where it can go. And so psychological you know, warfare. I love it. Yeah, exactly. It's a little, it's a little trick. Um, and also just a way to kind of help out your opponent with their screening mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, so battle tactics, I, I, I typically score, usually I score like maybe four a game, you know, uh, sometimes I might drop one. Um, most of the time I score five, but yeah, there'll be many games where I score like four, four only or something like that. Um, and you know, even then, like, you know, you've got two movement ones in the core books, random destroy and intimidate the invaders. So all you have to do is just kill something on an objective, get your guys in a boat and I don't know, maybe make some charges or something or uh yeah opening salvo something like that and it's yeah i i tend to use a lot more of the um but the uh the, the general's handbook tactics uh as well with this list yeah um cool uh there was a couple of things i wanted to mention slash ask uh, but I didn't want to interrupt you, Junior, because you, you oh, very sure. eloquently explaining explaining a lot there. So, yeah, I uh, didn't want to interrupt. <laughs> but uh, I think go back to the gun hauler uh, for a second. Um, you mentioned how that's like a grand strategy, uh, like uh, backup, but it's all it's also helping with your grand strategy in another way because it, it does provide that ward save for the frigate as well. Uh, so if, if you're keeping it near it, of course. I don't know. Do you do that or? I typically, I uh, tend to find that like a lot of these, a lot of the units in this list kind of have that binary existence. I um, mean, I even found this with the engine rigor healing. Uh, so, you know, I, I do deploy the, the the gun hauler within range of the frigate every game just to give it that six up ward for like long range mortal wounds or, you know, it's mm -hmm. this, that, or the other. But a lot, most of the time, I tend to send it off on its own mission because that six up. When, when someone's dedicated towards killing the frigate, they usually just kill it. And regardless of whether I had a six up ward, they just put enough resources into the frigate to take it out. Um, especially when I tell them that I have, you know, non-engine riggers, I can heal up the boat pretty much instantly. Uh, and so people mm -hmm. either tend to target only the riggers 
or they kill a boat in one go. Um, so yeah, the six up ward is very useful, but I tend to find it doesn't come into effect that often. Um, the frustrating, you know, one of the frustrations of the war scroll is that it's six up ward or it does not apply to itself. So it's, <laughs> it's, it's, you know, it's a bit of a oh. giver, not a taker, you know, if it did, <laughs> man, that gun hauler list would be insane. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it would be. Um, Does, um, do gun haulers give the ward to other gun haulers? No. Oh, it's, it's only other it's boats. Okay. They're four of that. Yeah. One last thing I might also mention about the list is um, my, my sort of boat artifact, my boat effect, uh, is prudency shoots. And I, I take that just because the frigates don't tend to have great, uh, great boat effects. Um, I never really saw the value of taking collapsible compartments because I put 12 models in the frigate. So I kind of use its points worth of capacity. Anyways, it kind of feels a little mm -hmm. bit more elegant, just sort of using the entire resources of the, of the frigate. Uh, and I, you know, if I'm endangering three of my characters in the gun hauler, I can't send it off in on those suicide missions that I like to do. Uh, because you've got your navigator and your engine master and whoever else and then you know, you're kind of like dispersing your resources where this list is all about packing as much power into as smaller sort of base as possible and then just sort of slipping that mm -hmm. into the enemy um and prudence issues is great for that because you know if they kill the big you know the frigate in an unexpected manner you can get your guys out and you're not taking tests um and you can and... get your guys out within three of the enemy which i found is going to yeah, be useful when thing. they when someone annoyingly goes, oh, wait, I could just so wrap the boat around with my unit. And you go, okay, I drop out on the other side of your unit. Wait, hang on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like you can just, it, Brock is a little difficult with that, you know, because his base is so large. So like, um, you know, when you charge the frigate and then you get Brock out, you kind of basically have to like be in contact with the frigate wherever you yeah. put him. But he's such a good unit to get the always strikes first on because he has all that output and he has the mortal wounds as well. So, you know, the idea is that like you could, you know, you could, you could, uh, mortal wound charge something with the frigate, you know, get all those mortal wounds on there and then fight something else with Brock and then finish off that first thing with his mortal wounds. So there's all these like sources of like mortal wounds in the army that come from unexpected places, which is also, you know, very useful. Mm -hmm. Um, another thing I was thinking earlier, earlier when you were talking about the navigator and how you like to put it really far forward, there's a nice little synergy there with Gotrek, which just having him there on the front line just gives you, gives you that extra safety of putting things forward because people are like, okay, well, if I want to mess with that navigator, I've got to go mess with Gotrek, basically. Um, yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, or if, if um, want... the other case for it is... The other sort of um, reason I put them forward is because um, all the spells that in the game that kind of cancel wards. So there's a couple of spells in the game that cancel war saves. Um, the Star Seer has one, and I think Cruel Boys also have one. But the range of those spells is 18 inches. So if you are within 18 inches of Gotrek, you're also within 30 of the Navigator, which means mm -hmm. the Navigator can cancel that spell instantly. Uh, and so that's sort of like another layer of protection for Gotrek. Uh, and as you yeah. mentioned, yeah. And that Gotrek's protecting the navigator by being this sort of mm -hmm. big disincentive, yeah. you know. It's kind of yeah, kind of a power pair in some ways. A uh, bit like how the frigates give the the Enderigas cover and minus one to hit, and then the Enderigas are you know heal the frigates like uh, 
two-way synergy happening with them. It's cool. Exactly. Um, cool. Um, so you mentioned you lost your first game against Flesh Eater Courts. Um, and you mentioned that uh, Gotrek died. Was it turn one? Uh, he So in this game, uh, yeah, it was against Flesh Eater Courts, uh, against second-ed Flesh Eater Courts. And so this is... Yeah. Um, you know, a sort of uh, a version of Flesh Eater Courts, very different from, you know, the third ed book it's about mm-hmm. sort of sustain and like bringing units back, more about mm-hmm. just mustering a lot of units in your first turn and then pumping up, uh, you know, certain units to unbelievable heights. Uh, and so, mm-hmm. you know, Godric was kind of doing his thing. He was projecting this sort of like aura of fear. Uh, and so I, I moved him 10 inches forward. And yeah, there was a piece of garrisonable terrain right next to him. So what I did is I put his base up against the side because I thought that like, oh, you know, nine Kryptoras, you know, surely I can kind of prevent some of them from getting their attacks in. But I mean, so my opponent pumped them up with every spell imaginable, you know, Horfrost on like the hits. Uh, Oh, I think it was a red, actually, minus two red on Horfrost. He had plus three attacks from Drain's transformations on each of them. He had all of these layered buffs and suddenly like, and then he rolled well enough in his charge with them. That they could sort of wrap Gotrek uh, completely, and with the two-inch range, all nine of them got into fighting range. Even had I, even with like that tactic of backing up against the side of the building, mm-hmm. um, and so what that kind of meant is that uh, even just with sixty attacks, that's enough to like get through his late defense because you know I finest out him and all that defense him, but it just wasn't enough, you know enough. Mm-hmm layers of defense then like if i put him in the garrison maybe that'd have been an extra layer of defense but yeah, yeah you know it's it's sort of like much of a muchness really um and then as soon as got tricked out it my whole sort of uh because it was the geomantic pulse and we'd kind of done that classic thing where one person puts their whole army on one side and the other person puts the whole army on the other side uh and he'd won the roll off and so give me the turn and then put the pulse on his side what they kind of did was it sort of isolated part of my army uh, and, and just allowed them to sort of target the 10 Arconauts I had over there and Gotrek there. And so, yeah, they took them out one go. Uh, and then I sort of like tried to take out those nine crypt horrors, you know, with the rest of my army. I just didn't, I didn't have enough output to chew through all of those wounds, especially because he had them in the garrison. He had the five up ward on them and he had like Mystic Shield and all that defense and all that stuff. So I just didn't have the output to chew through them. And then on their swing back, he killed like the frigate and a bunch of Endrogas. And so the game was basically over at that point. Um, and I was just sort of scrapping the battle tactics here and there where I could. Um, but yeah, so uh, another aspect of that game was that there were um, huge amounts, like the board was basically covered in terrain. And um, there was like eight large, I think it was about 10 very large pieces of terrain all along the edges of the board. So there's no way that I could squeeze the um, frigate outside of an inch of a piece of terrain within, you know, nine inches of his like backline unit. So there's nowhere I could like pounce on him because these pieces of terrain were really blocking me up. So it was always going to be like a kind of a tough game uh, from the beginning. But yeah, that, that was that was the first game. So that was actually quite a large loss. But that allowed me to then kind of play opponents that had lots sort of like comparable losses. Uh, in subsequent rounds and so i kind of like submarined my way back up to like eighth place i kind of squeezed into that top eight 
Yeah. But do you find with this list, if, if you do lose GoTrek quite early on, is it sort of game over or does it not matter much at all? Is it kind of depends on the game a bit? Depends. Yeah, it depends on the circumstances. Um, I played another game uh, against Daughters of Cain where he sent 10 of those fighty snakes to have fight on death into Godrek. And, mm-hmm. you know, they fought him, they did half the damage, then he fought them, killed them all, then they fought in death and killed Godrek. But I ended up winning that game because just the frigate with non-engine rigors removed, you know, like 30 snakes when I needed them to. And, and so... Uh, like the, the real power of the list is actually the non-engine riggers and the frigate. Like that can, and Brock, you know, that sort of thousand point package can lift, you know, an entire army given enough time mm-hmm. just by running around and shooting things and charging things. Um, so, yeah, it's really just dependent on the circumstances. And uh, yeah, so, it, you know, typically if I do this Godtrek very early, um, it's I'm having a much harder time. But uh, that kind of rarely happens. You know, it doesn't happen all that often. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, because I use GoTrick as well, and I, I'm i just trying to figure and I don't think any of the games where I have lost him early, and there have been ones, like you mentioned, like Crawl Boys have the spell to remove the ward, and I mismeasured in a game and mm-hmm. thought it was out of range, and he, and he wasn't, um, and lost him early. But yeah. I find that quite often, if they target GoTrick, it's it's actually kind of a good thing because it means that all your KO stuff that's fragile is fine because they're they're, they're, they're yeah. not going for that. So, and they have to put in a lot to take them out as well. Yeah. Some units have the volume of attacks that just make them prime gotcha hunters, but mm. you can you can play you can use terrain and you can screen gotcha with Arcanauts to kind of prevent those units from leveraging mm. their full attacks because his base is so small. You know, typically units that have the volume of attacks to kill him can't get every model in range and so you know with lookout sir as well you know 88 plus barbs might not kill him in one turn because suddenly he's got 10 arcanauts to protect him that far mm-hmm. uh, and then you can kind of abuse you know you can use terrain and you know, if you have wild woods you can just if there's a wild wood in a central position you can just put him in the wild wood and that will protect him against all the shooting that will take him out so you yeah. can play around it but um uh yeah, like there's definitely counters to them out there. Like plenty, plenty of really quite good counters, including just not interacting with them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean that does happen sometimes, and you feel like he's, you know, depending on the the battle plan. Like if if, if he's if he's sitting and blocking people from going on objectives, and you don't mind because you know he's essentially holding objectives. But the ones where they can people can re- remove objectives, and if he, you know, the objectives he's near keep getting removed, it can be a bit. You know, it's just a 480-point model running around and not charging anything. Not, you know, it can be a bit <laughs> frustrating sometimes. But, uh, yeah. yeah. Not very often, luckily. <laughs> um, one other question about GoTrek uh, before we move on is, um, do you ever find that people just sort of will run really cheap things onto objectives and just outnumber him and not get into combat with him? Um, so in, in some games, yeah, they, they kind of trade with them. But uh, I mean, every time, like if somebody kind of gives up a unit for him, I kind of mentally treat that as a win. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, a, a lot of the lists I, I've been encountering in tournaments and stuff tend to not have like a lot of trading pieces. Mm-hmm. Like, they, they kind of tend to, because everyone's trying to squeeze into say a battle regiment or, or you know, people are running like, you know, elite combos of heroes and, and, and kind of big knockout units. 
a lot of folks don't tend to have like the the trading pieces they need to like constantly feed Gotrek, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, and at the end of the day, you know, if you if you give him something and then you can charge him, kill that unit, and then off of the distance you get off that charge, get into their next castle, mm-hmm. you know, if you want to double turn or something like that, you know, I tend to, I tend to find he, you can put him in the place he needs to be often mm-hmm. enough. Yeah, I mean, in some ways, feeding units to him is just providing him with free movement. So <laughs> it's kind of helpful in some ways. Um, yeah. And also, normally, if they do have that cheap unit, it probably is there to do another job as well. So if they're feeding it into GoTrek just to outnumber him on an objective, it means it's not screening something or something like that. So, so mm, yeah. Um, cool. Uh, so we're, we'll move on to Nathan's list. And then uh, once we sort of cover Nathan's list, we'll talk about uh, how what happened when you two played each other. <laughs> mm. that did... <laughs> um, cool. So uh, I'll just need to wake up my mouse. There we go. Uh, so, Nathan, uh, you have Barakna as well, but uh, a very different take yeah. on things. Uh, 1970 points, one drop um, of uh, Admiral as a general with Stormcaller, a Navigator with Voidstone Orb, uh, as we see a lot, in a lot of lists, um, a Chemist with an Old Stone Icon, two units of 20 Archonauts, and then 15 Thunderers with all the special weapons, a gun hauler with the compartments, and then uh, one little unit of three end riggers and an ironclad, all for one drop. Yeah. Uh, so, what was your thinking? Like, what were you planning with this list and I your, found your thought the process? Classic Ethercast uh, misspell. Oh, where's Always that? take what you are owed. Ah, there we go. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Had to be somewhere. <laughs> I think we got through, even no one noticed that we got through the last show of our typos. <laughs> just, just, just throwing that out there. Kind of bad. Don't always have typos. Yeah. Oh, uh, I, I right. think the starters is the sub-faction. Like, mm-hmm. NAR is good for CP, um, but also it's a toss-up between yep. NAR and Urbaz. Um, Urbaz, you get that yep. plus one to wound guarantee, um, but you give up Stormcaller because you've got to take... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, you, you thunder as a battle line. So it's sort of a, what do you want? Do you want the reliability on the, the navigator, which I do. I don't like the navigator. <laughs> it's so often you don't roll the dice you want. So having that reroll is so important. Um, mm-hmm. And just even in Urbaz, even though you had a free CP to the thunder as a free CP on the boat, there were turns where I would run out of CP. Um, mm-hmm. So NAR becomes a lot more attractive in that regard. And you still occasionally will run out of CP with Barrack NAR if you go first. If you're going second in the turn, you have more CP than you know what to do with. So um, that's probably the first part, I think, where NAR sort of just edges out. You're 1970, so you often have a triumph bid, although I'm finding more and more that becomes 50-50 half the time. I think people are pushing mm-hmm. lists lower and lower. Um, so you're not always guaranteed the plus one to wound, but it's also not that important, um, ultimately. Um, the one drop's important. I want to be able to control the board. I want to be able to control the turn order. Um, and that's a big part of how this list plays. So probably the, the 20 Arcanauts are probably the low-key, low the most important units in the list um, for slightly different reasons than Lucas said, is that, like you said, if you've got 10, they just die. Um, mm-hmm. And it's easy to kill 10, relatively. 20, you've got to put a bit of effort into killing them. Uh, so if you do want to have them go from 20 to zero, 
sometimes you've got to put in a bigger unit or more a more key piece to kill 20 Archonauts. Mm-hmm. Um, so the way I'll play the game is I want to situate those Archonauts where you've got to overextend to come and kill them. Um, you've got to you've got to push out a bit further or leave your comfort zone. And when you do, there's 15 Thunderers sitting behind ready to take them out. So it, it's sort of a, look, if you don't overcommit, they'll live and I have a four-up rally uh, and they'll all just come back. Uh, they can be worth double on an objective. So they're really good at standing on circles and it sort of forces people into trying to kill them. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, and that's what I want to do. I'm, I'm basically setting up the game, you know, go on to the days where you're alpha turn one and put 30 Thunderers up in people's face. Um, you've got, got to play a bit more carefully. So the two blocks of 20 Arcanauts are basically controlling the board. You, you don't want to overextend yourself too much. You just want to dangle that bait out a little bit and just go, do you want, do you want the objective? Um, I've got 16 models worth on there. You need to, you can't just toe onto the objective. You've got to really push onto there um, and overcommit. And when, once that happens, I can start picking people off. Uh, that's the plan. doesn't always work, but um, that's plan one. So that's where the Arcanauts, I think, are, are really key. 20 are just amazing. I love Arcanauts, and um, I think they just do so much work in a, in a list. They might not necessarily kill a whole lot. Um, that said, 2d6 on those uh, on those machine guns are, are phenomenal. Um, the amount of times I've rolled 18, 20 shots, it's, um, it's far better than the old flat six that we used to have, that's for sure. Um, mm-hmm. I think the navigator plays a role similar to what Lucas said. One of the options is to push him forward, um, you know, threaten that turn one battle tactic. But the other one is more when you hit that go button and you smash in, you're often going to be in range of a blizzard or the counter charge from something with a hoarfrost. The navigator helps protect against that. Um, you know, if you're going in, you know that you can stop their hoarfrost. You know that they're crackback, not so bad. Um, and Stormcaller helps with that too. You know, if you're going to go pick a flank off, you can use Stormcaller and go, right, those units in the middle, they're half move. So now you can't get across to me as much. So, and that's, in a nutshell, that's the list. The gun hall is probably the the one bit of tech that I get asked about the most, why the collapsible compartment. Um, partly insurance. Um, if everything goes horribly, horribly wrong, um, you can get three units into a gun hall or a, much like Kron's list, you still run around score battle tactics. Uh, you've still got your grand strat. You've still got some options. The other side of it is you can pop three riggers in there and it's a bit of a sacrificial piece. You can go off and, you know, you leave something on two wounds. It can go charge in, finish the job. Um, yeah, it might be dangling out in the wind, but then people focus on the gun hauler and not your thunderers. So it's um, it's quite a good piece. A little bit of sneaky tech is you can put three riggers in a gun hauler and do surround and destroy in a corner. Um, they're both technically on the battlefield. Uh, I don't do Surrounded Destroy very often. It is nice to have that up your sleeve. I think this list, I tend to score five and five battle tactics every game, um, but I've got seven or eight to choose from, which is you know, incredible. Um, I think it's one of KO's biggest strengths. The GHB has um, given us a lot of gifts in terms of battle tactics. So it's just nice to have options. Um, you're not just locked to, these are my five battle tactics. I have to do these five in this order. I've got flexibility. Um, depends on the map, depends yeah. on the opponent, so I can mix and match um, how I want to go they about They give us tempo advantage Sorry. as well, don't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's just nice to have one small combat unit in a shooting army. Sometimes you just need to just <laughs> knock something to get it off the objective or you're just, mm-hmm. just a little bit short, so it just gives you that option. Um, 
it's probably a bit of a wishy-washy answer, yeah. but they're, they're so flexible that I can just sort of adapt to the mission with the gun hauler and the riggers. Um, sometimes they'll stay mm -hmm. in the ironclad to protect against chip damage. Other times they're an aggressive go out and punch force. So I like having that flexibility, um, especially if, you know, plan A of push Arcanauts up, make you come to me, isn't isn't going to work, then I can switch to the gun hauler being a bit more aggressive and, and use that as the bait and try and get you to overextend that way. So... Um, mm -hmm. that's that's basically it in a nutshell uh they've got combat but they've yeah, also got pretty shooting. self explanatory in a shooting arm what's that sorry mm -hmm. oh uh, the the end riggers they've got combat but they also just have nice shooting just the rent two mm -hmm. shooting yeah rent two as well cuts through yeah. things yeah. yeah and sometimes you'll pop off with them first because people hear rent two and go oh no we need to use that all that defense and you're like excellent that's not what i wanted you to use it on let's shoot over there <laughs> sorry sometimes you can try and use it as bait most people don't fall for it but um you know it's, it's worth dangling that bait as well every now and then you know rem 2 scares people sometimes so um you know they do three or four damage most of the time but um yeah, it's nice little chip damage it all adds up um so if you don't do surround and destroy very often which power tactics are you doing most? I'm assuming you're probably are getting things out of the boat at some point because you're, you've got yeah. 15 thunderers and uh, um, the chemist yeah. needs to get out of the boat to buff them and stuff. So um, I guess yeah. you're doing that one. What? And then once they're out of the boat, I guess it's quite easy to get them back in. Um, yeah, absolutely. What, are, you, are you doing opening I salvo? Mean, often doing opening salvo a lot. Um, because I'm one drop, I can often give away turn one. Mm -hmm. um, which is great for people moving their screens up a bit closer. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. It sort of allows me to go, right, you've just moved a unit up where I can safely push within 18. Um, I've rolled mm -hmm. a one on the navigator, so that unit over there can't come and get me. I can push up safely. I know that there's no threat coming at me. I know that I'm not going to get doubled. Um, mm -hmm. So I'm safe to move up to you know, this spot, usually a flank, uh, and kill that unit um, mm -hmm. with everything I've got. You know, and when you've got all the things in range, it's a pretty reliable battle tactic, uh, except for one of my games against Luca. Spoilers. Um, <laughs> uh, but the other one, stake a claim. Um, I try and hold that mm -hmm. for a bit later, but sometimes an early stake a claim is a nice one. Um, mm -hmm. I guess that's battle plan five. dependent, is it? It is battle plan dependent, absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, but again, if, if you're going second, even the ones where you can't, not sit on you know you can deliberately not set up on objectives but there's missions where there's no objectives in your deployment zone but if you've given mm -hmm. them first they're pushed up they've taken an objective you might be able to push on take two uh, or take an objective back off of them um and mm -hmm. so sometimes stake a claim is quite an easy one um and opening salvo is one of those weird ones where people presume you have to use it turn one uh, and that's not always the case you know there are games where i won't kill anything for a couple of turns uh, my game five was a good example of that where I used opening, opening salvo turn three because we hadn't killed anything. Um, so you can keep that in your back pocket if you know you're going to play a bit cagier um, and a bit more careful. Um, you can sort of chip down a unit to make it a bit easier. Um, I think people sort of think oh, opening salvo, I have to use a turn one, but sometimes it's it's good to hold on for a little bit later. You might lose it, but you know if, if you've got an easy stake of claim, there's no guarantee you'll get that later on either. So um especially with Arcanauts sitting on objectives you're often often not behind on objectives so um yeah generally go for those two like you said get in get into a boat get out of a boat opponents love that you always get the eye roll when you're saying to get three dudes into a boat <laughs> you just get that yeah run. okay 
Uh, tactical <laughs> genius. Classic. <laughs> tactical. The brilliance. <laughs> they, they love that battle tactic in particular, I feel. And uh, intimidate. You know, you, you're often out pushing yes. out into their stuff. So intimidate's pretty easy as well. So, um, yeah. And then there's a few situational ones that'll pop up. But, um, yeah, we got, you know, you've got seven, realistically, seven battle tactics that are quite often pick and choose. And, um, you know, Last of the Smithereens situationally is phenomenal. Um, mm-hmm. You've got to be a little bit careful with that one, but you know, sometimes it's just a slam dunk. Cool, you've got two dudes over there. You know, mm-hmm. as, as long as you're not playing like Soul Blight a big or, area. or something that can return a model within range, um, yeah. it can be just a big, big slam dunk. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Because it's 12 inches of the objective, not just six inches of the objective, it's, that's, a, that's actually a really big area. And so sometimes it, it looks like, oh, yeah, I can probably do that. But then then you start measuring, you're like, okay, well, actually, there's also these other two units in range and stuff like that. So yep. it's uh, a bit of a Do you find that the, the two units of 20 Arknauts are uh, partly what's helping you, you know, maybe you opening Salvo later in the game? Because, you know, if you had just units of 10 Arknauts, yes. it'd be picked off and then it discounts that battle tactic. Um absolutely um it's it's great for that you know you're not you're not losing units and if you are losing units they've generally had to come come to you and like it's like i said before they've overextended and so if you've lost the mm-hmm. unit and you don't lose have opening salvo that's not into the, the world because they've actually played into your game plan so you can switch to a mm-hmm. different battle tactic or even if you drop a battle tactic you, you know you're going to be able to shoot them off the board so it doesn't matter mm-hmm. um but, you know, there are games where you might drop a turn one battle tactic and it's fine because your plan isn't to be playing five turns. Your plan is to just shoot them off the board. <laughs> so, yeah, the end of the world. Because you know they're not going to get a battle tactic in turn five. So, <laughs> or maybe it may be turn four exactly. or three as well. Um, cool. Exactly. Um, yeah. So, I mean, obviously you won pretty much every game except for the, the one that you drew against Ogres. Uh, I have noted down there yes. as well that you played Soulbite Grave Lords in, in the second game. That was really close as well. But yeah. um, it was. Is that just because they uh, that was the so bodies in the recursion and pun? No. So he's playing Monster Mash Soulbites. Um, and he's, oh, okay. a, he's quite a good player and he also plays KO. So he knows the KO mm-hmm. matchup. Um, that said, there was a few things that I would do and he sort of said, oh, you can't do that. Was that the one that was against Ben You definitely can. It was, yeah. Was phenomenal. Yeah. I love yeah. Ben. I played yeah, because he used to play KO, he played KO years ago when, it, when KO first yeah. came out. He yeah. did. Yeah, I think he played a bit of Barrack Throne for a little bit there. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, he knows KO, but it highlights that if you don't play KO a lot, there's lots of little, tiny little rules that people overlook or mm-hmm. have got in their head from the last book. That have changed mm-hmm. like being able to move a boat yeah. and then fly high um and i think that that's an important thing if you're playing ko make sure you know your rules really well because there's so many little mm-hmm. neat tricks that you can do that if you're not doing them you're doing yourself a disservice playing this army um mm-hmm. so i think i caught him uh, off with a few things where i went to do something he's like hang on i was like no you can you absolutely can and he was like oh man you totally can um yeah but because he was playing the vengoran lord list if you don't kill something it can fully bloody heal um, mm-hmm. and so he's got to... these big monsters and i sorry go go oh uh would you be able to go over some of those 
tricks. I think that'd be super useful for some of the people yeah. watching. Yeah, well, I mean, move and fly high is a big one because you can often maybe get a free bombing run out of it. Um, <laughs> you can often try and trigger a redeploy that you want to, you know, maybe get them to move, think that you're trying to do something when you're actually planning on doing something else. Uh, a little bit of mind games. Mm -hmm. um, one of my favorite tricks, and it feels wrong, but is getting out of a boat when you're in combat. You can just get out. Uh, <laughs> that's not yeah, a retreat. Yeah. <laughs> so you can get, you know, if you've got yeah. three wiggers, you just get out and just go over there. <laughs> uh, I mean, that's we all know the, the old boat shuffle. Two units retreating and two charging one because you can get your units out of yeah. the boat, then have the boat retreat and yep. do the do disengage, do it, can yep. retreat, shoot, and the unit that got out of the boat can charge. So, yeah, yeah it's cool. It's phenomenal. You can redeploy uh, into boats that, you know, as well. Yeah. Yes. Redeploy into boats. Um, I missed the double CP where you could redeploy into a boat and then redeploy the boat. That was phenomenal. But that was like, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. Little tricks like that. And just, just knowing that you can move the boat, move it like a hero into the boat and then fly high to go somewhere else. You know, that might set mm -hmm. up a, a surround and destroy in a dire situation. I had a game recently where. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, it was a KO mirror as well. I thought, oh, this bloke's got no no turn five battle tactic. And he's legged a hero up, moved the gun hauler up, got into the gun hauler, flew, you know, fly high. And you're like, oh, damn. <laughs> didn't, didn't, didn't see that. So there's lots of little movement tricks that you can do um, mm -hmm. and set up those kind of situations, I think. Um, it's just, just reading the rules closely and making sure you don't miss those things that say you can't do this. There's, that that word is missing from a lot of our rules, which is great. So, yeah. um, uh, another one is yeah, uh, moving think... after you get out of the boat as well. Uh, yes, because you get like sometimes you're like, oh, I'm going to do the the one get three guys out of the boat, and they're like, don't they have to be in enemy territory? It's like, yeah, but after they get out, they're going to run. So, <laughs> and then there's yeah. like three heroes just run yep. off into the corner. <laughs> exactly, and I think that's another I... thing that's worth mentioning is when you do boots on the ground. If you've got three heroes, just make sure the three heroes are in. You can tow the line. doesn't matter if the Thunderers aren't in. As long as those three heroes push over. Uh, I think mm -hmm. I've, I've played some games where people presume that I'm going to put the Thunderers in their deployment. And, nah, just mm -hmm. the heroes. You know, three little bases, pretty easy to do. So, um, and, you know, you, you also want to try and – it's not ideal, but if you're going to do boots on the ground uh, and you've done – a situation where you've got models into the boat as well. Sometimes you just want to get the thunderers out. So you just got to sort of be mindful mm -hmm. of who goes in, who goes out. Um, you sort of got to think about that a turn or two in advance because sometimes you can stuff yourself up a little bit. Um, yeah. So I don't always do boots on the ground, you know, the turn that I go in really hard because I don't always want to get all the models out or I want to get all the models out, but I don't want to have to get them all back in and have to stay in if I mm -hmm. do get back in the boat the next turn. Um, mm -hmm. You just sort of got to think about the sequencing and, and how you go about it. So, yeah. yeah. Cool. Um, uh, yeah, and, and the game that you drew against Ogres, I mean, what, what's what happened in that one? Yeah, that was, that was a tough game. So I was playing against Dave Kerr, who is one of the best players in the country. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've had a big time. Master, and I've the other side of the planet. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. So, you know, Dave's a phenomenal player. Um, we we're actually staying in a house together. So we were joking the night before, like, ah, oh, 
I should probably poison your food a little bit just in case I get you tomorrow and stuff like that. And then we draw each other. So I was like, oh, well, we were joking about this. But um, anyway, um, but he had a lot of anti-shooting tech. The Ogres list has a surprising amount of neg one to wound versus shooting, um, mm-hmm. which isn't great. The Stonehorn has a, a native neg one to wound from his mount trait. Um, so there's a lot of, there's a lot of, um, you're not necessarily going to kill what you shoot, which is really tough. Um, and it was the mission where you can burn objectives. Um, so I've just tried to stay a point behind him. Um, and then there was a turn where he sort of, he caught me off guard where he just auto run a, a stone horn onto a, an objective and took it back from me. Uh, and that put me three points down. Uh, I just, it was a phenomenal move, which I didn't see coming. Um, I had basically committed my entire force onto a top objective. We were down to two far objectives at this point. I was trying to spread his force out. Um, but he had models on the middle of the objective, so I could go and get about seven bodies on there and um, didn't really think much of it at the time. I was like, look, I get the objective back. It's mine. Great. And he saw it and gone, well, Stonehorn's worth 10, isn't it? And just pushed up. He didn't care that he wasn't going to charge. It was about the points. Mm-hmm. Um, so from that point, I'm, I'm fighting to stay in the game. So... I was able to keep him to no points in the last turn, and um, but we both scored equal battle tactics and equal grand strats. So, um, you know, I pulled it back to the draw, but it was it was tough. Um, I think ogres people often think oh, that might be an easy matchup, but um, when some of your units wound on fours already, and they've got negative <laughs> one to wound, uh, and you've only got that one triumph, you've got to be real careful. Um, it took a lot to bring the stonehorn down. Um, you know, it took almost my entire army, and I had to charge him and um use fumigators to finish him off so it was um it was tight yeah was dave tight, could so. be running just a uh, list of noblars and it's still not going to be an easy matchup exactly it's um as, it's as much about the player as it was the list but it was a bit of a combo in this I, case i love that um, i read that list and i looked at his army beautiful army as well amazingly painted but yeah, that list is just really so elegant in my opinion you, know, you just got so many pieces that do like it just it looks like a very refined list you know yeah, it was it was great, and um, yeah, it works real well against shooting. So, um, <laughs> and you've just got to be careful. You've got to watch the the flying monster when he hits three d six fly around. You know, you've got to be careful that he doesn't fly over into a boat, or you know, take out a key piece. So you've got to you've got to position really mm-hmm. carefully. Um, and I was able to spread his force out and try and pick him off bit by bit, but um, you know, it was it was tough. So that was where the draw came from. Um, phenomenal player and. Uh, full credit to him. He caught me with my pants down on a turn, and and that put me behind. So, um, yeah. you know, I had to play pretty well to just keep it to a draw at that point, and I'm really glad I did. Yeah. Cool. Um, I, uh, another I should have asked this question earlier, really, when we talk about the list. But the twenty Arconauts. Do you ever find that you un- unleash hell with yeah. them much? And is it pretty effective? Because obviously, very, a unit ten doesn't rarely. normally do much, but no occasionally i will um it's actually one of the reasons i i don't think you've noted in there but i actually take the um the flare pistol on the sergeant not the volley pistol right um, okay. and it's something that most people don't really care about but because it's three threes ren two often when i do a standard shoot it almost always lands a wound um and so they're not so bad standing and shooting because you've got a bit of randomness yeah i think it's ren two so it's just this one little one little damage pop shot but often it it lands damage. Um, and so when you are standing and shooting with the Arcanauts, which isn't super often, but occasionally you know that that's all they're going to charge. Um, it just helps 
had a couple of extra points of damage in. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. I completely missed that it was round two now, but <laughs> I just checked it is. Because yeah. I, I normally just have so, you know, yeah. yeah. So if they're on the, if they're on the objective, he's hitting on twos. Yeah. 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 Or so if you're unleashing hell, it's, it's, it's a nice you're little negating that minus one. Yeah. 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 Exactly. So, if nothing else, I always do at least one damage with him. So, um, <laughs> at least one on the when they are on the sand and shoot, you know, you're going to do a couple of couple of points of damage. But um, it's just situational. But yeah, usually I will because often I'm trying to set up so only they're getting charged anyway. Mm -hmm. um, if there's if there's going to be another potential charge target, no, I won't. But like, why not? You've got enough CP. If, if only they're getting charged, hope you roll well on the on the 46 of, of shots for the pistols and mm -hmm. and all that stuff. And, you know, way to dice. You never know. Yeah. I mean, it's a lot more tanks for, for, for 20 yeah. Arcanauts. So, yeah. Absolutely. You know, something's got to get through. <laughs> um, exactly. For 90 points, 90 points for a 10, they're just incredible value. They're probably <laughs> one of the most, like, points-efficient units in the whole book, in my opinion. They just... Oh, yeah. Yeah, like normal. I mean, the whole thing is standing in circles, so it's relatively easy to get them to the circles. And then once they're there, you know, four up rally, four up save, weight of dice. Yeah, for four hundred eighty points, it's a phenomenal unit, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and being able to make them worth double on an objective, I think, is their real strength. Ko has traditionally not been great at the whole standing on circles thing, uh, but when you can use the Arcanauts and just you know outscore even against like Mega Gargans, you know. Yeah. You've got some game to push on and and score the objective. It's um, it just adds to the the strength of the army phenomenally. So it's um, it, low key they are just MVPs in my opinion. Yeah, cool. Uh, so I guess the, the thing that uh, most people watch the show are going to be interested in is uh, what happened when you two played each other. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it was, yeah, um, it, was, it, was a good, it was a good game. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. The camera so, is always I mean, a funny first thing. thing. Is um, yeah. oh, you, you the go, mission you was kind of important. Yeah, so the mission was important, particularly for Luca, because it was no reward without risk, and he has bloody oh, Gotrek, yeah. doesn't he? So <laughs> Gotrek's going to start in the middle of the board, but in our game, there's a big bit of impassable terrain in the middle of the table, um, and I won the roll off, I think. If memory serves, and so I've chosen yeah, the for side. Sides. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I've, I've, I've given him the side, but that impassable terrain was more in his deployment. So I was trying to push Go Track back as far as I possibly could. Um, I think he had the option to deploy Go Track very smack bang in the middle of the board, but he would have had impassable terrain behind him, so he wouldn't have had that support. He wouldn't have had that Arcanaut screen. So if he had have done that, there was a world where I can bring all my guns on the Go Track, hopefully kill him. Um, or he was going to have to push Gotrek back a little bit. So that was a really important roll-off for me. Because um, mm -hmm. Gotrek being up in my business isn't isn't ideal. Um, you know, like I said, 20 Arcanauts are great, but Gotrek will mince them. Um, so <laughs> this was sort of a... The KO mirror is always about who can clear off the other screen and go in first, I think. It's who can get that go turn. Mm -hmm. um, and being the one drop, I get to control that. But Gotrek puts, puts that on a clock. Um, I don't have a lot of time because he'll clear my screens pretty quick. So um, all I wanted to do was screen off. And we I think we both deployed very similar, didn't we, Luca? Where just Arcanaut ring. <laughs> Boats in the back of the board yeah. and Arcanaut rings. 
protecting ourselves. So, um, exactly. Very I was very just waiting for that. I was very like um, careful to, to make sure there was about 11 inches of distance between, uh, you know, my boat and my screens, just to like account for the three inch disembark from the, um, from the, from, from when you fly high and you get the thunders out. So you kind of can keep that 18 inches of distance, I think it is, uh, you know, from you and then everything else. But um, yeah, yeah. Screening was like a, a big complicated part of that game in my opinion, really vital part. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I made a mistake turn one. I um, was a little bit nervous, actually. So my round one, I actually got a buy in the top eight. Um, we had a player drop. I was the top seeded player. So I got a buy. So I sort of thought, oh, well, I'm, I'm nice. I'm relaxed. I haven't had to play a game. But then I, when I rocked up the game with Luca, I was like, shit, I'm, I'm nervous. I haven't played a game yet today. <laughs> Whereas Luca, <laughs> sort of, he's played a game. He's, he's won it. He's in the Zarin. So I was like, oh, so I actually went with opening salvo turn one. And um, I actually made a mistake where I moved my Arcanauts and couldn't quite get the full range of things into a unit of Arcanauts that I wanted. Um, and then Luca made a couple of clutch saves and those big, massive cannon shots. So I didn't get the opening salvo turn one, which also, more importantly, mm -hmm. meant I didn't clear off his screens like I wanted. Uh, and that was a mm -hmm. that was a problem. So I um, actually made a mistake. It was a couple of points down, which, like I said earlier, wasn't a big deal because it was going to be a case of one of us was going to wipe the other pretty quickly. Um, so I didn't mind that I was two points down, but not clearing the screens was a real problem. Um, but fortunately, Luke is kind of relying on GoTrek to clear my screen, so it gives me that extra turn. Um, and I think turn two, I focused, he had a unit of uh, 10 Arcanauts on one flank and two 10s, uh, sort of protecting a longer board edge. And so I focused on the two 10s, trying to, trying to clear a hole. Um, I managed to shoot off one and sacrifice the gun hauler with some riggers. This was a game where they became a bit of a sacrificial pawn um, and was able to charge in and clear a screen off. Um, and I guess we'll see your point of view, Luca, but it's meant that Luca's pushed up just out a little bit to try and kill off the gun hauler and riggers. Um, and I think that ended up being the the mistake because it's, it's allowed me to then in turn three, jump the ironclad over, get everything out and just be in range of the, the frigate. Um, not with the 12-inch guns, but with the 18-inch guns, and that was able to take the frigate out. Um, yeah. And then I won priority uh, into the next turn. So being that one drop, I'm always threatening the double turn, um, which is a lesson I learned from playing Kron in my very first KO Mirror a couple of years back. Um, <laughs> I got doubled, and that was game over. So it was, it was a lesson I think, I think in, in the KO. Yeah, KO double. Yeah. Yeah. KO double. I think, did you win uh, both priorities, or did I win the first? I can't remember, I but... Yeah. yeah, I uh, there was also a, a crucial role. Like I, um, you cleared off one that long board edge where I had two units of ten kind of conga lined out. He cleared the, this upper unit of ten, and so I took my unit of ten that was like protecting the short board edge, and I ran it back to sort of reform the screen. But they had taken some casualties, and so I started. You know, I had two turns of rolling some four up rallies just to sort of extend you know, to get some bodies back. Yeah. Um, but across like eight rolls i didn't roll any four ups and so i couldn't extend one. not a single one getting back so i couldn't extend the um that battle line crucially uh to push out to push you out the you know the 18 inches that i needed to um yeah. and then you know just like enough damage from the ironclad managed to take out the frigate to then put it on on, on one wound um you know to, to take it out basically which meant that my sort of like main delivery of, of damage 
in, into the Thunderers or whatever you know I was going to do. It didn't work out, and obviously you won the prior as well. So like, even if had if even if the frigate had stayed alive, on you know on however many wounds, you probably would have taken it out the next turn anyways. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. So just a few was, minor. To take the frigate out. Otherwise, yeah, you can get a charge, get the mortals, get the strike first. Whereas with the frigate gone, you've got to charge something in, um, and it's basically a case if you've got Brock and the, the nine riggers, one of those has to go in first, yeah. and it's getting shot. Um, which isn't yes, which isn't exactly. ideal, um, and I think that set me up. Even if I didn't get the prior, killing the frigate was probably the the important thing, um, mm -hmm. which I managed to do. And I think I've killed everything around you at that point. You didn't really have anything else sacrificial. The Arcanauts were all more or less dead. Um, the gun yeah. hauler, I think I'd killed. Gotrax on the other side of the board at this point, chewing through what was left of my poor Arcanauts, um, which wasn't much. Yeah. <laughs> you did good work. Um, yeah, 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 and so yeah, it was just no, I think it was a good getting game. there, and I think at that point, yeah, I think at that point we called it because there's no world where Gotrek's catching a, an ironclad, and there's no world where I'm going to put him <laughs> within twelve inches of an ironclad. <laughs> so we were just going to run around the objectives, chasing each other's tails, and um, mm -hmm. at that point, I can score battle tactics and and primary maximum every turn, and and that's that's the yeah. end of it. So it's yeah, I think the KO mirrors who can who can shoot who first, and. Mm -hmm. um, if you get the double, it's particularly nasty in the KO mirror, and that's yeah. that went my way. So yeah, certainly, yeah, certainly, certainly. Despite a shaky, shaky first turn. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it, was a, cool. it was a good game. KO mirrors are always very. Um, you, you play the game very differently than you would against other mm -hmm. armies. That's um, it's an interesting mm -hmm. challenge. Yeah, yeah. The screening is, I think, like setting up your screens properly is is a huge challenge um you know against i guess i guess like against any army that can kind of alpha you in a sense like that like, like that has the movement to catch up with you mm -hmm. screening is always a bit of a challenge for those but yeah particularly the ko because they can just sort of put you know half their army in a in a single spot you know, like they just like unlike any other army they can just put you know a thousand twelve hundred points into a single base and i just put that somewhere and get all that output in. Absolutely. Yeah. Cool. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I guess the I guess the point that you from the roll off the double turn, you you prove it's, it's definitely even if it wasn't completely over at that point, you, you knew that it would be. So uh, yeah. yeah, double turns uh, can often seal the deal for KO. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um. Is there anything uh, you guys wanted to mention about the tournament at all? Uh, other than the fact that was, I think it was just a great tournament, I think it was you know well put together, well run. Um, you know, all the tables had decent amounts of terrain with you know a variety of sort of identities. They kind of identified, they kind of um, uh, allocated identities to the terrain uh, before everyone got to the table, so you didn't have to go through that process of like rolling what's what and trying to remember it. It's just write down these little plastic cards. Um, and I actually found the terrain was quite impactful in a lot of my games, not just against the game um, with Nathan, but I had one game against Slaves of Darkness. Uh, and I, I sent a photo of this to, you know, this sort of like to you before the show, but there was um, a wide piece of uh, impassable terrain right in front of my deployment zone. And then right next to it was a long piece of a long garrison right next to it. So essentially my entire deployment zone was blocked off, except for these two very narrow sort of passages. Gotrek yeah. guarded one of them, 
And then I screened the other one out with ten Arcanauts. And so suddenly your whole army is sort of like immune to immune to damage just on account of the fact that the terrain is there. So you can be a lot more like aggressive with your positioning because they can't actually get to you, you know. Yeah. Um I mean, like the inclusion of like garrisons and impassable terrain, it really changes the game when the terrain actually means something. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I got a garrisonal piece yeah. at one point, put my ordinator in it, suddenly his nine inch aura is massive, <laughs> and all yeah. the points are like, All right, let's go. Awesome. awesome. The other thing we had was obscuring terrain, which I think my opponents appreciated. Um, not many of them were able to use it. <laughs> All, all, all that great, but at my game against Dave, you know, he was able to put a unit of um, Noblars, what was left of the unit of Noblars, into the into that terrain, so I couldn't see them to shoot them to finish them off. Uh, and that was yeah. important. Yeah. The obscuring terrain was in the middle of the board. His grand strategies had more units in my deployment zone. So now we had a little unit that he could hide safe from my shooting, but in the last turn could make a desperate run into my deployment zone to try and shore up his grand strat. Um, my game against Ben, he was yeah. able to hide some Felbats behind some obscuring terrain, for example. Um, and so it, it just makes the game more interesting. It gives opponents that yeah. less feel bad of, oh, I'm just going to get shot. I can actually hide a hero. Uh, and the impassable terrain just makes them garrisonable. Makes the game more interesting from a movement perspective, I think. it's um, yeah. I think it's more enjoyable to play that way. So I, it was good. Yeah. I really appreciated it. Try and get the guys at Vic GT to in- introduce that stuff. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> I also um, I, I, I also quite like the um, a lot of tournaments don't do it, but the the sort of the sports metrics that they had, uh, it was more of a checklist than it was like judge your opponent on sports. So I've been to a couple of different tournaments that use sports as part of your score, and a lot of them just do it on like a scale of like one to ten, which means you've got to be a bit of a stand-up comedian at the table in order to score high in sports and in order to do well. But in this case, it was more just sort of like ensuring that you played, you know, sort of in an appropriate manner. So you're just clear with what the army could do, clear with your measurements, clear with your rules, you know, these sort these sorts of like minimum decorum, you know, minimum yeah. behaviors that you have to fulfill. Uh, and then you typically get your points for that. So I think um, it, it was an elegant way of like kind of incentivizing people to sort of behave appropriately at the table, you know, beyond sort of the natural instinct to do so. Okay. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, Because, yeah, normal... As a tournament. Sorry. Good old delays. (laughs) Yeah, delays. I was going to say, normal... The normal sort of systems, it's just like, yeah, pick your favourite player. I've never thought that was a great way of sort of encouraging sporting behaviour, really. It was more just like, you know, you pick the person that you sort of had a better connection with really or something where you sort of hit it off with more um so uh what's that what were you going to say nathan um just the, the tournament in general i think was phenomenal we had new tos this year um so cancon mm-hmm. probably one of our longer running tournaments but we had some some new guys step up this year and take over which was and they did such a phenomenal job um it was jason's first time being a to which i thought was insane taking over cancon as your first yeah. first to and he just he smashed it out of the park so and if it wasn't yeah, for those guys absolutely. we wouldn't have this this great event so i mean that that's the big props props there but mm-hmm. i also like that there's a bit of everything for everyone um we had at the end of day two you had a best overall which is your sports your paint your gaming score but then we have a top eight cut which is just purely the gaming mm-hmm. side of it 
Um, so I think I think Sam Morgan won best overall. Um, but then we go into that top eight cut, and it's more like your best general. And I like that distinction between, you know, overall and general. Um, it gives a bit of everything for everyone. You know, you've got a you've got a pretty phenomenal painting contest. You've got a um, the coolest army as well. So people who want to do something really cool with their army, they can go into that side. The best painter was judged by some real top level painters. We have at CanCon being a big event. There's a, a Australia is one of their biggest painting competitions. So some of the best painters in the country, mm -hmm. and in some cases from overseas, are present, and they were able to get them to come across and judge the painting. So there's a bit of everything in this tournament, and it's because it's such a big event. I think that's really important, and it was. Um, I think that's one of the reasons why I like CanCon. Um, it's also just you, you don't get to play at a big, massive, almost 200 player event all that often. And whilst it's hot as hell in those mm -hmm. bloody sheds, it's it's a great experience. Um, you don't get some that anywhere else. So, coolest armies were like the, there's someone who put like like made a diorama out of like a giant like tree stumps essentially, and yeah. built this kind of like like fairy garden esque army out of vampires, and it was like we had like cool. like giant bats like pulling heads off people and they had like the blood coming through coming from the the mouth and stuff it was it was, it was great that, that the, yeah. the coolest army think, was definitely amazing yeah i think i think all the coolest army nominations which is a shameless self-plug were all were all phenomenal um i managed to get a coolest army on which is actually one of the things i wanted going to cancons so, like winning was, yeah. was gravy i just wanted the coolest army nom <laughs> i wanted to go forward and get a coolest army nom and i came away with with the first and a coolest army nom so it was the best weekend for me but some of those other yeah. armies that were in there were just like the effort people put in it's just amazing to go and look at it all and just see well, what it's like a, done that it, year it's a celebration of the hobby as a whole i think cancon like yeah. Yeah, yeah as you as you mentioned like it, it kind of you you can look at the results in stats and ladders and you can slice and dice the rankings by what's important to you. So like you can you can slice it by who has the best painting score, and then you'll see like the all the best, you know, all the best painters and whatnot. But then you can slice and dice it by like, yeah, if you're interested in just the crunch of like the battle points, you can look at it in that way as well. So yeah, it's it's mm -hmm. sort of caters to everyone's tastes, uh, fabulously, really. Yeah. Cool. And there's a lot of KO there, uh, and a lot of them were converted. Which was mm, yeah, okay. some of the KO armies there were, were gorgeous. Uh, I had a club mate that's made them Chaos Dwarves, so they've got all this weird stuff. There's I think the the Skaven esque um, KO. There was one there I think that looked a bit like a lot of dock pieces on there. Um, so some of the some of the KO armies yeah. there were just phenomenal. Hmm. Yeah, there's some cool stuff. Yours, yours were like your the, these vo cool Votan uh, converted KO. Yeah. Yeah, my entire army's converted had a yeah. Rotan models from 40k. So that's yeah. um what's your um gun hauler made fits out surprisingly of? Well for any animals. About it. The gun hauler is made out of uh, if you give me two seconds. Yes. <laughs> 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 the gun hauler is made out of the um uh, the little um there we go. So that's the gun hauler. Um basically just a lot of boat bits stuck to a, a Votan um a Votan vehicle. I can't think of the name of the vehicle. It's a small little one that they've okay. got. Um, so that's the buggy. Oh, like the Sagittarius um, or something. The new buggy yeah, thing. Yeah, that's the one. That's the one. Yeah. So it's just made out of that with um, a bunch of bits stuck to it. 
Um, okay. But there were some people there with like, you know, okay. Skaven, Skaven converted ironclads with all the Skaven bits stuck on it. And like, yeah. KO just looked phenomenal when you convert them, I think. So, I mean, they look great to begin with, but when you convert them, I think they've got a lot of scope for some really cool stuff. Yeah. So. I was walking around the convention hall because it's a bunch of games being played. Uh, there was a 40k army that was just KO boats. I looked closer, it was apparently some <laughs> kind of orc army that, that was just using KO <laughs> uh, ironclads and figured hulls as, as their tucks or whatever. Mm-hmm. So they were playing in the 40k cool. event too. It's great. <laughs> yeah, because KO are in that sort of steampunk vibe. They sort of sit in this place where you can sort of push them a bit more futuristic or you can sort of drag them down a bit and it sort of works in both directions it's kind of nice so you can kind of yeah. go either way with them cool. do you know there's a, a gallery of uh for for cancon anywhere where people can go and have a look at you know pictures and stuff um there was a facebook event page i don't know if there's uploads um, i did take a photo of all the coolest armies um, i should probably upload them somewhere i guess okay. i'll see yeah. If they're not on the event page, I might send them to Jason and get him to upload them, perhaps. But um, yeah. there was definitely a Facebook event page, but it might have been one of the things that I guess got a bit left in the dust this time around. Um, I give them mm-hmm. some feedback for for next year, more photos, perhaps. Um, yeah. yeah. But yeah, I'm not too sure how to much photos it. ended up on the event page. After. Mm-hmm. I try to take as many photos as I can, oh, like especially with my games. But my, um, you know, mm-hmm. I. I at the beginning, I'll take like a photo after like every turn, just to like look at the board state and everything. You know, when I when I'm you know on the ride home or whatever. But uh, this time, but my discipline with that kind of deteriorates over the course of the event. You know, especially about like, the third game on the first day. You know, I, I can't be bothered taking any photos. So mm-hmm. uh, you might get like one in or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's I always there was always I lots of events I... at the start. And... Dropped off. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think most people are guilty of that. First game is just like pictures of everything, and then it's like, oh, no, it's just none. <laughs> uh, I don't know if it's worth asking this really, based on what we've seen with the uh, with the leaks. But I did this last week, a bit of speculation on the potential points changes to battle score, how we think that might affect your list. But I mean, if it is what we've seen. I don't know if it's going to affect your list at all because Nathan, yeah. the fund is going up. I mean, you've got 30 points of swing there anyway with your 1970, so you'd lose your yeah. triumph. I just and, lose triumph. Yeah. That's not the end yeah. of the world. And Luke, I don't think you'll like change at all. Oh, I don't run any thunderism unless anything else is going up, then yeah. I wouldn't. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just, yeah, so, I mean, it's, yeah, if if they are the points, so your lists aren't going to change, and cons won't change either. So, um, I mean, I assume you guys are sort of happy with your lists, and you're not look, looking to tweak them uh, going forwards. Or, I mean, all that kind of I, depend uh, on if there is major meta shifts uh, or something. I am having if you just uh, some. <laughs> I'm having some second thoughts about Godric just because uh, you know the number of games where he doesn't, uh, you know, like actually get into combat or do damage or you know eat things there's quite a few games where he doesn't mm-hmm. do that um but you know in those games you know he is projecting power and he is like affecting the board state very much so so 
Uh, whether that's worth a quarter of my army, though, is, is something I'm worth questioning. You know, there's another version of my list where I drop Gotrek and the gun hauler, and I just take 10, uh, 10 Thunderers and a frigate. And I just do yeah. you know, 10 Thunderers and a frigate, nine engine riggers and a frigate, and I just have one to fight, one to shoot. And, you know, that might introduce a little, you know, uh, flexibility into my army. But then, you know, yeah. I, go, I, I encounter the issues with like, um, uh, concentrating my command points. Like I like to spend all my command points on the one package. And if I had 10 thunderers, mm-hmm. you know, I might sort of dilute that a little bit. But um yeah, mm-hmm. I might like I might keep an eye out for other allies as well. Like I feel like taking allies is sort of like a uh adds a lot of potential to KO because you know there, there's some gaps in the army, you know, like if you ally in mm-hmm. the um the Lumineth twins, for example, that, that might be a, a cheeky way of getting some extra spell casting in there or um if you you know ally in like some big tough self-sustaining unit that might also help you know i think something that those rumors had um i think those rumors had a rune father and magma Joth dropping a lot of points yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. You, yeah. Um, okay. you said something about ionis Quad- as well Alex? yeah the uh uh Again, a, a, a max pick was uh, Ionis as this big flying guy um, who can keep up with your boats, relatively tough, and can turn off um, uh, battle shock immunity for your opponent. So you can shoot a little bit here, shoot a little bit there, shoot a little bit there, dump Ionis in the middle, and suddenly, like a, a Skaven or Git player would just watch half their army just vanish. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, he's he's not just shutting off that because I mean, if he charges, he could roar as well, which, uh, you know, all of a sudden your mm. your end rig is uh, effectively it's like a minus three when then if they're not using our defense. So it brings up what a monster yeah, brings, yeah. Or you can smash yeah. a piece of terrain. I think he, um, mm. I think he turns off rally as well, which from a shooting army mm-hmm. perspective is really good rally. You know, rally can really hurt if you don't wipe everything out with your shooting. So yeah. being able to turn that off alone is pretty pretty potent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, you know, you can always just run the incarnate as well if you, you know, if you want like that four hundred eighty points that I would spend on contract. I could just literally swap them out for an incarnate, and it might do much the same job, yeah. uh, if not a little faster. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe a little, you know, and then take like an arcane tome instead or something like that just for the on the cast but um i mean i do like gotcha because there's a lot of tech around him and he's also just like such a fixed point on the field like he does so much damage when he gets into anything and you don't have to put any command points into him he's always going to get his damage through because he's re-rolling everything and there's certain matchups like you know against gargans for example he just loves to eat gargans for breakfast like i played a game against um mm-hmm. kragnos and broad and he killed he soloed them both so <laughs> yeah, you know, he he can he's is the bee's knees in the right circumstance, you know. And I it's just a pet unit for me as well. Like that big combat presence in yeah. the middle that you can just like your opponent has to respect and has to work around. And when they're working around him, yeah, you can just pick him off. It definitely yeah. fills one of those those holes that KO has. Yeah. I think another good ally I, just is the ever classic night encounter um so my list Mm -hmm. i I also ran at an event uh, a couple months ago which i managed to go 5-0 which i was just over the moon with it was a local event so i was like yeah 
but um, I knew the power flux was round five, and I knew that there was definitely some uh, Nurgle floating around. So I actually dropped the Navigator for a Night Encounter, um, which meant that my Triumph bid wasn't particularly great, but I was able to switch it to Barrack Urbaz, so I got that plus one to wound back anyway. Um, because I don't have the Navigator, I don't have the Voidstone Orb, but the Encanter brings that with him on his War Scroll anyway. So I was able to bring the Burst Grenade for turning off wards. So that sort of tweak to the list was quite interesting as well. And having just that little Mystic Shield up your sleeve, being able to go Mystic Shield on my Ironclad or Mystic Shield on the Thunderers mm. makes them a little bit um, a little bit tankier, which is which is pretty great. Gives you another battle tactic, potentially turn one as well. Um, yeah. you, know, you can back all the Encanter and, and go for that Magical Dominance. Uh, so that's mm -hmm. in terms of list tweaks, maybe that. But I think with the points increases, you probably have to drop something else. Um, I don't think that would fit mm -hmm. in this list as well. But he's a good little ally to consider because I think having that little wizard there is um, yeah, it's it's nice to have. Mm -hmm. Particularly if you know you've got power fights quite a like in a later round. Mm -hmm. He is because yeah. if you think about it, he he is basically two artifacts. Because he's arcane tome and and yeah, warstone yeah. in some ways, so. And the other thing is his war scroll spell is a neg one to charge bubble, which you don't yeah. hate as a KO player. You know, you make the charges a bit harder. That's not the worst thing in the world. Yeah. Um, and there's no real yeah, risk to, to throwing some dice to get it to cast. You don't get it. You don't get it. But mm. with primal dice, you might be able to force one through. Um, so mm. he's a nice little piece that I don't mind. Um, Putting into a KO list. But, yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, I am fairly happy with how the list plays. So we'll see how it goes. Yeah. See what the see what uh, the battle scroll brings. Yeah. I mean, if, in theory, the battle scroll could change the meta completely. So I don't know if it will, but you know, all of a sudden everyone's playing very different lists. Yeah. <laughs> we were talking about it. <laughs> it was only potentially this month. <laughs> I mean, life thing will be this month. Yeah, they didn't even say like like they didn't even just say later this month. Just the fact they said potentially is it's a bit worrying. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, we'll we might be sort of stuck in this, you know, in, in in this matter for a long time. But it seems like the game's in a good place, anyways, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. you know, like every time I hear like the honest war game and call out the stats, there's all there's a, there's a respectable sort of diversity of factions at the top. You know, you do see the similar archetypes. Uh, again and again but there's a lot of them and so that's and sometimes you also see something kind of interesting squeak its way through as well so you know i like um yeah more or less i think i think the game's in a pretty good spot competitively nonetheless yeah yeah definitely cool um so i think we've pretty much covered everything so uh bring the bring the show to an end thank you guys for for coming on uh it's been a pleasure to have you uh Ron. Always a pleasure, of course. Um, yeah, thank, thank you very much, and thank you to everyone that's watching live and watching in the future, not live. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, thanks everyone, and uh, we'll see you again soon, Skyfarers. Goodbye. See ya. Thanks for having me.